Corner uh, this uh, evening, and uh, as we do every Monday, taking a look at uh, uh, stories and uh, developments that impact the lives of working people, and this evening is certainly no different. Now, we've heard reports that government and social partners are exploring possible alternatives to providing relief to workers affected by COVID-19, and at the same time, trying to ensure the sustainability of a contributory insurance scheme, the Unemployment Insurance Fund, and uh, uh, partners at NEDLAC uh, voicing their displeasure at the possible termination of the scheme uh, that has certainly been uh, of benefit to many workers uh, who have been uh, forlorn or, or laid off, and uh, to many employers as well who have been uh, battling, I guess, to make payroll at the end of the month. It seems uh, that uh, the UIF, the PIC, and uh, the Treasury and uh, uh, actuaries of the UIF uh, are putting their heads together to see if uh, an alternative can't be developed on the score. And joining me now on the line to talk about this is Mako Songeb Telezi, who speaks on behalf of the UIF. Shenge, good evening to you, my brother, and welcome. Good evening to you, uh, Ayabong, and your Met, uh, Metro FM uh, listeners. Shenge, let's maybe start off here. I mean, for, for some of us who might, not be who might be uninitiated on some of these things, uh, we understand that TERS, I guess, was a temporary measure. But, uh, you know, why, why terminate it now? Well, what did you see in the numbers that indicate that, I guess, the path of payouts uh, and the relief that has been extended might, I guess, compromise uh, the overall sustainability of the UIF? Well, I would recall that uh, the initial budget for the COVID tariffs was $40 billion for the initial three months. And uh, with the monthly extension up until the 15th of September, we have exceeded that with uh, about $12 billion. And uh, this happens, um, if you recall, we, it's something that was never in our plans, something that was never in our budget. We've always budgeted for the ordinary benefits. Then COVID test came in, and then we have to uh, get money from some of our investments, turn them into cash so that we can fund the um, benefit. And now uh, we've realized that uh, this is basically unsustainable if you look at the fact that we still have an obligation to pay the ordinary benefits and we expect that there'll be an increase in the number of claims for unemployment benefit. Hence then a uh, decision to say, hey, let's sit down and talk about this. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what what does sitting down and talking about it mean for some of those who might still have applications in the process? Uh, I mean, uh, you certainly speak to many business people, and they'll tell you uh, that uh, you know there might still be outstanding payments or payments that uh, I guess you know might not have been paid for some of the months uh, uh, um, in the initial phase. Well, what happens to some of those? So those that are already in the system, uh, Ayabong, are going to be paid. We know that we have a liability against those ones. And I think that is one of the things that uh, makes us a bit nervous because we still have to crunch the numbers and check the rent value of those that are still ascending. For example, we have about 482,000 uh, applications uh, that are still awaiting the declarations by the employers. So if you take that number alone, and everybody declares tomorrow. Obviously, that's going to uh, need a huge amount of money. Hence, mm. uh, we, 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 we're saying we, we really need to rethink in terms of how do we go forward uh, looking at the future sustainability of the fund 
and uh, as well uh, affordability of the tariff extension going forward. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I guess the social partners, as would have been expected, were, were quite spooked out by, uh, you know, this announcement and maybe the timing of it. Uh, what were some of the deliberations you've had, I guess, with Labour and with business about this? Because one would think, you know, they are both co-contributors to this fund, both employers and workers themselves uh, contribute to uh, this particular fund. What's the view there? I mean, do, do they share the sentiment that, you know, you might have to sort of close the taps now to ensure the sustainability uh, of the entire framework? No, no, no. They definitely uh, not seeing it that way. Uh, the social partners are firm on saying we should extend, you know, in line with the extension of the national state of disaster. Yeah. And uh, the options that we're looking at uh, on the table is whether we could look at a flat rate or we could only look at uh, the sectors that are severely impacted, as you know, uh, some of the sectors have not uh, gone back to full operation. So those are various, some of the various options that are being looked at uh, at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I guess when you say it's quite difficult to find each other on that, uh, I mean, is the view that, uh, you know, some of the monies of the UIF uh, that would be invested uh, with the PIC or with the GEPF, that some of those sort of illiquid assets or some of the uh, assets under management would be uh, maybe, I guess, you know, liquidated for the purposes of extending this uh, for a temporary period. Is that something that the UIF would consider? Uh, that That is part of the issue that is on the table at the moment. And some of the assets, when you look at them, that are illiquid, for example, some of the bonds, the long-term bonds, Mm. The view of the fund is that if you sell them, you won't get the full value for them. You, we are likely to lose about 30% of the value of this, those bonds. And mm. uh, in this current economic situation, uh, we're saying that would be, you know, dangerous if you were to take that uh, decision. And this happens in the, at the time where even the revenue, you know, that we get has drastically gone down due to the uh, COVID-19, we're not getting as we normally uh, get. So now if you start uh, uh, hankering around with the illiquid assets, you are entering a very dangerous territory. Mm, 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 mm. Talk to me about some of the fraudulent claims. I mean, you know, uh, I guess there's a bigger question that many South Africans might be asking themselves. I mean, 120 million rand paid out in fraudulent claims to individuals who weren't entitled to the benefit. How are you going to recoup some of that money, if at all? So, what, so yes, uh, what we're going to do is, um, in fact, if maybe you might have heard, we've been, for the past two or three months, we've been talking about following the money project where we appoint a team of auditors who will be following each and every transaction, every payment that we have made to the companies. So they are on the throes of starting with that. It could be late this week or early next week. I know that today they were being briefed by uh, the UIF, so they will be hitting the road soon. That's how we're going to follow the money, and we hope that we'll be able to recover some of the money. But remember, uh, you know, with this tariff benefit, we also paid, uh, we, we overlooked, some of the things that we would look at as a normal, uh, you know, uh, insurance company. Some companies mm. were not even paying the premiums 
you know, uh, we said, okay, we'll overlook that in the interest of, you know, trying to um, put something on the table of the workers. But we said, mm. uh, at the end of it all, we will come back to you and raise a debt against you and you'll have to pay. So that is the beginning of that process. Sure, sure, sure. And I guess, you know, some people have always suggested, I mean, I remember even as early as sort of 2010, 2011 or so, that there needs to be a debate around how you make the base of contributions to the UIF much wider? How do you make the circle of people who are contributing much wider, both on the employer and even the unemployed side of things? And, and one would think, yes, there are a few sectors. I mean, if I think about you know, the uh, uh, domestic work sector and a few others uh, in the formal sense who, who could contribute to that, but also uh, you know, the debate around expanding this uh, even to some workers in the informal sector. Surely that's a conversation that should be kick-started now, Schenger, with a bit more urgency now that uh, we've got this challenge of how do you consolidate the base of the UIF and uh, in moments of crisis, uh, how much can you really intervene? Yeah, no, that's true. In fact, that had already started. It's just that then it, uh, we were disturbed then with, by the COVID. I know that I think late last year, uh, the minister had already started uh, having this uh, conversation with various partners, uh, looking at how we can expand the coverage so that, uh, for example, we even cover the artists, you know, who are a huge uh, sector uh, in, the, in the country and they're doing sterling work, and yet they are not covered. And it becomes uh, very sad when uh, now, uh, like now, they couldn't, most of them couldn't be covered by the COVID tariff uh, benefit. So it's a debate that has already started, but I guess as time progresses, it will then start to gain traction and momentum. Thank you very much uh, for taking time out to speak to us this evening. And I uh, certainly hope we'll be able to check in with you uh, sometime next week when uh, we get more clarity on what the future of the TERS is going to be.